Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. The British government has released a long-awaited report on whether Russia has interfered in UK domestic politics. For years, establishment Western voices warned that Russia may have duped British voters into supporting Brexit in 2016, just like Russia, we were told, also decided the US election that same year. In November 2017, the New York Times even warned that reports of Russian meddling, quote, could raise questions about the legitimacy of the Brexit referendum itself. That same month, then British Prime Minister Theresa May issued a stern warning to the Kremlin. It is seeking to weaponize information, deploying its state-run media organizations to plant fake stories and photoshopped images in an attempt to sow discord in the West and undermine our institutions. So I have a very simple message for Russia. We know what you are doing, and you will not succeed. But missing from all this fear-mongering, panic, and tough talk about Russian meddling was, you guessed it, actual evidence. One of the few pieces of evidence that we got was, let's say, underwhelming. Twitter reported that the Kremlin-backed network RT spent over $1,000 to promote its Brexit coverage to UK-based viewers. And Facebook reported that a Russian troll farm spent a grand total of 97 cents on three ads, all of them about immigration, not even mentioning Brexit. So if that was what Russia was doing, you can see why Theresa May was perhaps so confident that they would not succeed. Well, this report was supposedly going to deliver the elusive evidence of Russian meddling in the UK. But as is becoming a very familiar story, the report did not deliver. The investigators found no evidence of Russian interference in Brexit. But they did find a good explanation for why they found no evidence. As Scottish MP Stuart Hosey told the media, the British government found no evidence because it didn't look for it. The report reveals that no one in government knew if Russia interfered in or sought to influence the referendum because they did not want to know. The UK government have actively avoided looking for evidence that Russia interfered. The report shows an example of how the British government supposedly didn't look for evidence and why it wasn't found. The report says, quote, open source material like Russian outlets RT and Sputnik or social media posts was not fully taken into account. In short, the British government failed to turn on the television or listen to the radio and do a media analysis like students do in college. Let me put forward my own explanation for why there was no evidence here. The panic about a Russian influence campaign against the UK is in fact yet another evidence-free influence campaign against Russia from Western governments like the UK. And this report does little to hide its agenda. It describes Russia as, quote, fundamentally nihilistic, in which the Kremlin believes, quote, any actions it can take which damage the West are fundamentally good for Russia. Russia is also, quote, seemingly fed by paranoia, unquote. That latter claim reads like projection if you read this report. These experts include Anne Applebaum, a neoconservative columnist, Christopher Donnelly, a longtime NATO official and head of the UK government-funded Institute for Statecraft, exposed by leaks as basically a propaganda vehicle for UK intelligence, William Browder, who was wanted on tax evasion charges in Russia, who gave up his American citizenship so he couldn't pay taxes in the US, 
and who has led a dubious and sketchy global campaign to impose sanctions on Russia and other NATO foes. Topping this list of experts is none other than Christopher Steele, author of the notorious and discredited Steele dossier, which fed four years of unhinged Trump-Russia conspiracy theories, even though the FBI knew early on that it was a fraud. Given all this, it is no surprise that the report calls for more UK intelligence involvement in British politics, more powers for UK spy agencies, and even forcing social media companies, quote, to cooperate with MI5 where it is suspected that a hostile foreign state may be covertly running a campaign, unquote. And it is also fueling calls for censorship, uh, including British authorities potentially taking away the license of the Russian-backed news outlet RT. Well, to discuss all this, I'm joined by Afshin Ratanzi, a British journalist who hosts the RT news show Going Underground. Afshin Ratanzi, welcome to pushback. For people who are not familiar with this report, if you could talk about the background, there was a lot of anticipation. Why was this report so eagerly awaited? Mainly because uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who had seen the report many months ago, had suppressed it ahead of the 2019 election, where uh, Jeremy Corbyn, seen around the world as a real progressive force, uh, of the like we've never seen in British politics, arguably, uh, he stood a chance of perhaps uh, a perhaps coming to power. So some people said the reason why Johnson wanted to suppress the report was because it revealed the links between his party and the Russians. And uh, in fact, I called uh, on a, a program, the flagship program of the state-mandated BBC, for it to be released, for us to find out about these rich Russian oligarchs uh, and rich oligarchs from other countries, how they managed to have undue influence uh, in our country. And uh, they just wouldn't release the information. But then along comes the report, and the report is uh, naming no Russian oligarchs. Instead, it's naming uh, uh, Russian uh, uh, journalistic, Russian-funded uh, journalistic enterprises like RT, and uh, talking about a threat and how Russia, I think I've got an exact uh, phrase here, fundamentally, so the Intelligence and Security Committee of the British Parliament, they've come to the conclusion, and we'll get to how they come to the conclusion in a bit, they said that Russia appears fundamentally nihilistic. Uh, the report uh, does not outline what we thought it was going to outline uh, about the influence of uh, big Russian money stolen from the Russian people, arguably. Uh, on British democracy and how it altered general elections. Instead, it reveals that Russia is a nihilistic state bent on, uh, I don't know, destruction of all all civic society in Britain. Well, you know, it's funny, that quote about this report calling Russia nihilistic, it, it speaks to the fact that some of the language here reads as a sort of like combination of marketing uh, jargon and psychology. So there's a line where it says, Russia's, quote, poor national brand and lack of long-term global friends appear to feed its enormous risk appetite. Uh, <laughs> hey, Street, Britain has learned all these tricks from you guys over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see it's being put to good use. But, okay, so you have this 
long-standing suspicion that Russia influenced the Brexit vote. This report was supposedly going to prove it. Typical to a Russia gate or Russia-related allegation, they come up with no evidence. And now the new spin is that the British government didn't even look for the evidence. Uh, and that's what is so damning about this report. And that's why they say Boris Johnson withheld it. What do you, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's total war on the intelligence services because, sure, there may no be, not be any smoking gun after these uh, huge deliberations by this top intelligence committee of parliament. But the reason there's no smoking gun is because no one was looking for a smoking gun. So it could still be out there. But uh, the committee found no evidence whatsoever, as far as uh, the report says, that uh, Russia successfully interfered not only in the Brexit referendum, but also Scottish national uh, referendum, nationalist referendum, or a general election, let alone uh, more widely. So it, it didn't find any evidence. And... Uh, and so obviously people are annoyed on the um, neoliberal left. They're annoyed because they think it vindicates Boris Johnson. There must be some other kind of cover up on the neoliberal pro-EU side. They also say no, because Brexit must have been because of the Russians, because the British people would not vote to leave the European Union. And, uh, and all of this comes out finally on the day, no one particularly remarked upon, that Mike Pompeo arrives in London for talks with uh, Boris Johnson as Boris Johnson says that he's uh, clamping down on China and sending an aircraft carrier uh, to Chinese maritime borders. All a very strange context, a strange report. Well, you know, speaking of irony there, it's funny that this report about non-existent or at least uh, non-discovered Russian interference in British politics come out on a day when Mike Pompeo visits because Pompeo is the guy who famously said privately, that was later leaked, that the U.S. would intervene to undermine uh, a Jeremy Corbyn uh, victory. Uh, this Everyone's forgotten that here. No one has mentioned any uh, in, in mainstream, so-called mainstream media here and corporate media that uh, there has ever been any attempt by the United States to manipulate or, or affect uh, British democratic processes. And the lack of evidence, and in terms of how that's now seemed as damning for Boris Johnson, it presumes that there is something to find. But, you know, it's like, if I say that Santa Claus doesn't exist, does that mean that I just haven't looked hard enough? I mean, this is where I think all these Russia allegations have a major problem. The allegation is presumed to be correct. And it's only those who doubt it that have the burden of proof to disprove it. No one stops to think for a second that maybe all of this is being served for other ends and have nothing to do with any actual real allegations. And you see that in this report because uh, you have time and again the report saying that uh, Russia is an enemy. There is this cartoonish portrayal of Russia trying to destroy NATO and the West. And the report even says that one of the British government's biggest setbacks came in 28, biggest foreign policy setbacks came in 2018 when Russia and its ally Syria basically defeated the British government and its Western and Gulf and Turkish allies in Syria in defeating the proxy wars. In other words, the fact that the West wasn't successful in bringing Al-Qaeda and Al-Qaeda-affiliated groups to victory in Syria was a major defeat for Britain and a victory for Russia. And we're supposed to think of all of this as being a bad thing. Yeah, although there's no mention of British support for Al-Qaeda or ISIS-Daesh, obviously, in the report. But as you say, if a five-year-old 
or someone younger could understand the Santa Claus argument, it then goes on to um, precipitate in any normal person the questions, who does this report benefit? And of course, it benefits people who lost out and would lose out of any detente uh, globally, because the uh, international arms industry, uh, those involved in cybersecurity, there are people all over the report. You mentioned the uh, the uh, PR spin nature of the language itself that now inhabits and infests uh, political life here. That language is borrowed from the commercial world. And uh, if Russia is an enemy, if China is an enemy, then we need new aircraft carriers. We need new ground troops. There's a uh, well, while Pompeo was here, uh, they were preparing for um, this week a, a huge drill in the Black Sea. There's money to be made out of the implications of this report, which, as you say, show no evidence whatsoever that Russia indeed wants to destroy British civic life, that China wants to invade uh, Britain. And in that way, I suppose it has echoes of the uh, Mueller report and the Russiagate reports uh, in the United States. There is money to be made out of uh, having enemies. And some of the key experts who are consulted in this report are people who have spent their careers pushing a hawkish posture towards Russia and taking steps that encourage confrontation with it. There is Bill Browder, uh, the American uh, financier who gave up actually his U.S. citizenship so he could uh, avoid paying taxes. He's also facing a major tax situation in Russia where he's said to owe millions of dollars and he's facing charges over that. He is the person. Well, he, like the Tory donors who are supposed to be exposed in this report, is wanted in Russia. But I mean, he is seen as a hero in uh, Britain, the European Union, and in the US belatedly after the uh, controversy over the Interpol warrant for corruption, because he's obviously seen as this guy who cleans up. Uh, I know you covered it on Pushback. Well, you know, and for anyone who's not familiar, so Browder uh, is behind this story around uh, that led to the Global Magnitsky Act, which imposes sanctions both on Russians and also anybody else who the, who is in the targets, uh, who is in the crosshairs of U.S. regime change or destabilization. And Browder basically concocted this whole story about someone who worked for him, uh, Magnitsky, who he said was his lawyer, uh, but who in fact was not a lawyer, and who died in Russian custody, and Browder alleged that he was tortured to death. There has been commissions, including in Germany, that have looked into that, that have actually uh, refuted that allegation. But of course, that evidence does not make it to Western audiences. So accordingly, Browder is seen as a hero. You also have Christopher Steele consulted as a source for this report. You know, he needs no introduction. He's the British spy who wrote up the fiction known as the Steele dossier uh, and and also Anne Applebaum. Uh, a, a, Before I get to Applebaum, Steele did tweet out the uh, Russia report uh, from his uh, Twitter account. He runs an intelligence, private intelligence consulting group uh, now. Of course, he formerly worked for MI6, but uh, infamous, obviously, for uh, alleging that Donald Trump had paid sex workers to urinate over him in a uh, Moscow, uh, the Moscow Ritz-Carlton Hotel. I mean, Christopher Steele has been widely debunked by the entire intelligence community. And yet, as you say, only four <laughs> expert witnesses in the biggest intelligence and security committee report uh, this country has made uh, for years, arguably, about Britain and Russia and this 
so-called Cold War. Which speaks to something, you know, we've been pointing out for a long time when it comes to all this Russia-related allegations that in the name of combating so-called Russian misinformation, uh, Western elites and, uh, and journalists have been putting out just a barrage of misinformation constantly. And Christopher Steele, I think, is the shining example of that. There's also Ann Applebaum, who is a neoconservative columnist who was interviewed for this as well, which gives us an indication of the level of, of evidence that was presented to this committee. And speaking of which... And I, and she, she writes for the Times, the Rupert Murdoch-owned Times newspaper, and fundamental to the report and why it should be seen as inadequate if indeed Russia is a threat, is this echo chamber uh, at the heart of the report, in that we know, I think you were about to say, the, the other expert witness worked for, uh, I get them confused, the Institute for Statecraft, or is it the Integrity Initiative? The Integrity Initiative, yes, another Western government-tied institution that spends millions of dollars to basically put out propaganda to... Well, they, they would say they are funded by the British state, they're allied to MI5, and they would say they're helping journalists yes. understand the global security framework. And I think it's listed as an institute for statecraft in the Russia report. But if they are helping Times journalists, and there's a list of journalists, because <laughs> a leak uh, came out of which journalists, so you can, you can see very easily which journalists are allied to it, top journalists at the highest levels of media in this country allied to it, they get their briefings from the intelligence services, they publish stories. Those published stories are then used by the intelligence services in their written uh, written submissions to this Inter Intelligence and Security Committee as proof or evidence or pointers to what's going on. The Intelligence and Security Committee then publish their report based on what the intelligence services have got from the intelligence services help journalists. And then today, of course, it's being published by the journalists, the results of uh, the inquiry. It's a circular uh, situation from which any truth would be difficult to discern. Let me quote right from the report. Quote, there has been credible open source commentary suggesting that Russia undertook influence campaigns in relation to the Scottish independence referendum in 2014. So right there, credible open source reporting. And we saw the exact same language in the propaganda and the lies that were used by the U.S. and British governments to justify the war on Iraq. Their intelligence services feed false information to the media. The media reprints them. And then the government then cites that as credible, quote, that is, quote, credible open source reporting to justify its policy aims. So circular, as we you say. We were 45 minutes from attack by Saddam Hussein's WMD, and therefore we have to kill, wound, or displace tens of millions of people in the Middle East. So let me ask you your response to now the proposals that are coming out of this. Uh, the report itself uh, laments the fact that um, the British government um, seems, uh, that the intelligence services were hesitant to get involved in domestic politics. There's a line that that's trying to explain why they didn't maybe come up with evidence. And that's sort of seen as a bad thing that the intelligence... Yeah, they have to get over that. The We need MI5 <laughs> deeply involved in our electoral process. Yeah, but and they also call for increased regulation of social media. There is a line in there, and they say, quote, we would add to that a requirement for social media companies to cooperate with MI5 where it is suspected 
that a hostile foreign state may be covertly running a campaign. Unbelievable. So on Twitter, for example, if people are putting out, say, criticism of what the British government is doing in Syria, someone could say, we suspect that this criticism is being done in cooperation with the Syrian government or the Russian government. Let's bring uh, the MI5 in and social media companies have to cooperate under this proposal. That's right. And uh, MI5 should some, and I'm not sure whether they then, they don't really go into it that much detail throughout the report. But does that mean MI5 bust down your door for a tweet uh, to arrest you? Or does MI5 uh, just work with Twitter to censor the tweet so the information is never given to the wide world? Uh, does that mean all your Facebook information? I mean, in a sense, Edward Snowden, who took asylum in Moscow for revealing the um, full spectrum uh, surveillance state using these sorts of social media and uh, and our cell phones uh, basically uh, they obviously they don't know about the edward snowden allegations and we're not sure whether they're literally trying to say and i'm not sure what that would do to the share prices of social media platforms as well because i don't know how how keen everyone would be to just uh, say right in the terms and conditions i'm obviously giving all my information to mi5 well uh, what I also know is that there is increased fervor now to not just censor social media, but even try to shut down or censor channels like the channel you, broad you broadcast on, RT. So, uh, Kar Sturmer, the head of the new head of the Labor Party, Keir Sturmer, sorry, excuse me, Sir, Sir, Sir Keir Sturmer, excuse me, he uh, responded to the release of this report by by saying in Parliament that RT should perhaps be shut down in Britain. One way the government can seek to clamp down on Russian influence is to prevent the spread of Kremlin-backed disinformation. Obviously, social media companies have a big role to play, but the report also highlights serious distortions in the coverage provided by Russian state-owned international broadcasters such as Russia Today. The High Court has ruled that Russia Today broadcasts pose actual and potential harm. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that it's time to look again at the licensing for Russia Today to operate in the UK? So, as you see, he actually said the license needs being looked at. But I think it's clear from that clip he's seeking to, and he, he wants to ban. He's, from the minute he said that, he's banning all front bench spokespeople from my TV programme, Going Underground, and from the channel RT, from 700 million people in 100 countries. And I should add, I mean, I've shared a sta stage with him. He refused to shake my hand on uh, a major uh, political program in this country. I don't know whether it's racism. He denied it's racist, although there are huge allegations about racism going on. I don't know whether it is my work with uh, interviewing Julian Assange of WikiLeaks because he's implicated in the uh, torture, according to the UN rapporteur on uh, torture. He's implicated in part of the torture that went on against the world's most famous publisher. I don't know whether he knew that... Um, We'd been covering a lot about Jean-Charles de Menezes, the Brazilian engineer uh, who was gunned down uh, in South London. It was uh, Keir Starmer's decision as director of public prosecutions not to prosecute the police for killing a person of color in Britain. I don't know whether it was these myriad reasons, but I know the gray zone has been asking questions of him and what his allegiances are, particularly his uh, closeness to MI5 itself. So then here he comes. And he starts uh, talking about shutting down free speech, which uh, shows, I think, how totalitarian 
uh, his uh, mentality must be, arguably, because uh, there's an independent censorship agency, theoretically, in this country, like you have the FCC that's supposed to regulate RT, not the government, not direct political control. Here is a politician saying we want political control, uh, arguably, over the future of a television station that gives a different type of view to normal state-mandated media sources. Let me just read a quote I was referencing before where they talk about the fact that the report is critical or uncomfortable with the fact that the intelligence services might not be involved in domestic British politics. They say this, quote, while we understand the nervousness around any suggestion that the intelligence and security agencies might be involved in democratic processes, certainly a fear that is writ large in other countries, that cannot apply when it comes to the protections of these processes. So it is quite stunning, and this is what all this Russia stuff to me has been about, which is under the guise of fighting a foreign enemy, the supposed threat to us, fighting misinformation, it is really trying to advance a reactionary agenda that increases the control of the national security state and the companies that it works closely with, including in the media. So, Ashton, what is your... Yeah, I mean, you're identifying, and the report uh, correctly identifies a nervousness which should be there about unelected uh, spies interfering with democratic processes. And uh, arguably, even if they had a point, wouldn't you pay the spies more money? This this city I'm speaking to you from with the gentrification, with the class division, with the, with the, with the point that most children in this country where I'm speaking to you from are one paycheck away from not being able to eat enough food. Uh, these spies, they advertise now for MI5. Their salaries are nothing compared to... Uh, uh, vested power interests, geopolitically or nationally, uh, politically, uh, they're not going to, arguably, you get what you pay for. What is your sense of how this report and the overall misinformation campaign that it's a part of uh, is landing, uh, of how it's landing with the British public, its intended audience? Do you think that this is a successful campaign uh, in terms of getting people to fear Russia and to embrace censorship and uh, increasing uh, government control of discussion and media? I think most people are so worried about their livelihoods in a pandemic and the biggest uh, depression for, for centuries that they're not actively concerned about some of these fundamental human rights because they just need to be concerned with how to live on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think there are elite power groups who are aware that there are problems with this because I presume this is an advert for RT, clearly, because why would those in power want to suppress a news outlet unless it was giving information that the governments did not trust you with, did not trust the public with? So uh, I think there may be some, uh, I mean, I was asked on a couple of programs about this report and they probably, they canceled my invitation. So people are aware that there's that problem. As for the arms companies, the intelligence companies, the consultancies, they're all quite excited what uh, money could come their way. Big finance, they may not be as excited because uh, there's a lot of financial auditing and different companies involved in laundering money, uh, alleged to be laundering money. And money has been stolen since the Yeltsin years from Russia when the IMF and the World Bank came there and went on their mass structural adjustment privatization campaign. So there are myriad different effects of this. Uh, all of them serve uh, powerful interests, probably. 
I mean, uh, as for the public at large, uh, all the, it, it probably will mean is that a great, greater proportion of their taxes go into uh, arms when they should be going into uh, food education and uh, health care. You mentioned Boris Yeltsin, which to me really is at the heart of all of this. I think what undergirds this entire effort to demonize Russia, including with fear-mongering influence operations like this report, is to return Russia to the days of Yeltsin, when Russia was subservient to Western interests, when Yeltsin, who was a drunk and had serious health problems, implemented a U.S.-backed agenda of shock therapy that basically privatized the Russian economy, created the oligarchs, radically lowered the life expectancy in Russia, and where Russia was being pushed further into a corner uh, and not standing up to, for example, the expansion of NATO. Vladimir Putin, of course, was a sharp deviation from that and has started to uh, resist Western hegemony and the encroachment of NATO. And that, I think, explains why Russia is so demonized and why Russia is then targeted with influence campaigns that try to convince the public that Russia is a massive threat and has to be confronted in the process we have to grant even more powers to our state intelligence agencies to fight that threat. We're going to wrap here, Afshin Bertanzi, so your final comments. Well, as you say that, uh, one thinks of uh, national sovereignty not being allowed by the U.S. empire. But ironically, Brexit or Lexit, the left version of leaving the neoliberal European Union, was supposed to carve out a Britain that was free of these neoliberal privatization structures. But as my Pompeo's visit, it this week suggests um, a lot of people now criticizing uh, Britain for being a vassal state supporting Washington's view of China and uh, the security state of the United States' view of Moscow. Uh, Britain really does seem to many to be becoming uh, more and more, if it wasn't already, uh, an aircraft carrier of the United States Navy. Afshar Matanzi, the host of Going Underground on RT. Thanks very much. Thank you, Eric.